Welcome to the Bar Variations Podcast. Go behind the bar with me, your host, Michelle Duvall. As I interview leaders in the industry, we'll talk about how bar impacts their lives, what's inspiring them today, and take the conversations that usually stay in the studio out into the community. Grab a seat because there's plenty of room at the bar. Are you a bar addict, a social butterfly, or just getting started in bar fitness? Do you want to feel good and look good during your sweat session? If the answer is yes, you must visit fitforbar.com and shop their exclusive activewear and athleisure styles designed for your bar workout and beyond. From hats to bar socks and everything in between, each piece from this female-owned boutique has been bar-tested and approved from the best in the business. And with free domestic shipping, easy returns, and a buy now, pay later option, fitforbar.com provides an online shopping experience fit for a bar queen. So go ahead and treat yourself to some new apparel from fitforbar.com. You deserve it. Happy shopping. Welcome back to another episode of the Bar Variations Podcast. Last month's episode aired right before I headed to Colorado for some work and play. And before I recap on those adventures, I just want to remind you all that I will be teaching a teacher training and choreography workshop in San Diego at Relevate on August 3rd and 4th. And also on August 17th and 18th, I'll be in Minneapolis, Minnesota for a teacher training and teaching deconstructed workshop. So in the teacher trainings, this is where you will learn how to teach bar and all the things that go into it, like proper biomechanics, how to instruct, choreography development, prop usage, creativity tools, and how to use the BV teaching formula to teach an effective, safe, and fun bar workout. The choreography workshop is where we will dive into tools on how to vary your sequencing and make your classes more interesting and seamless in your workout, so without having to stress over how to do that every time. Now, the Teaching Deconstructed workshop is for teachers that may have already completed a training, mine or not, and are looking to shop. Welcome back to another episode of the Bar Variations Podcast. Last month's episode aired right before I headed to Colorado for some work and play. And before I recap on all those adventures, I just want to remind you that I have some upcoming trainings this summer. First one will be in San Diego on August 3rd and 4th, and that is a teacher training and choreography workshop. Also on August 17th and 18th, I'll be in Minneapolis, Minnesota for a teacher training and teaching deconstructed workshop. So let me explain a little bit of what will go into those days. So in the teacher training days, this is where you'll learn how to teach a bar class and all the things that go into it like proper biomechanics, how to instruct, choreography development, prop usage, creativity tools, and how to use the Bar Variations teaching formula to teach an effective, safe, and fun bar workout. Now, the choreography workshop is where we will dive into the tools on how to vary your sequencing and make your classes more interesting and seamless without stressing over what to do. The Teaching Deconstructed workshop is for teachers that have already completed a training, whether it's mine or not, and are looking to sharpen their teaching skills. More time will be spent on basic anatomy, how to teach to music, different strategies on how to cue your class, more choreography development, and how to create your very own bar class and progression. Both of these weekends can be intended in full, meaning you can come to both days or just one of the days. So head over to barvariations.com for more details and how to register. Now for the recap. So last month, I went back to Telluride, Colorado for the first ever teaching deconstructed workshop. I got to see past trainees and work with them on further developing their teaching skills and confidence. So it was a true team effort when it came to recognizing blocks and shining a light on what each person was already doing so great at. And I spent three days teaching classes to the community and teaching this workshop. So I also started teaching in a small town. And whenever I'm in a place uh, that you end up knowing who everyone is by the time you leave just brings me so much comfort. And something I know to be true is that even in a big city like New York, you can also still find community in one that has that small town vibe. And while there, I got to visit some of the cafes I went to back in February and partake in one of my 
favorite activities, which is hiking. And I have to say, I wasn't super conditioned for the altitude, but my legs felt really strong, you know, from all of those bar classes. <laughs> but seriously, um, my heart rate was skyrocketing. I was out of breath. So I took a lot of rest, but I was happy to report that my legs felt really great. So all those plies are definitely helping. Now, after Telluride, I headed to Denver for Momentum Fest. And before the weekend began, I had the opportunity to take some bar classes in the area. I first went to the Barcode in downtown Denver and took class from Ariana, which was so amazing. And then I visited the Bar Standard in Arvada, I think I'm saying that right, and took class from Kelsey and Carrie. And like most teachers, I don't often have time to explore new classes while at home. So when I'm on the road, I love to check out new studios and meet the people that I connect with online, which is super fun. And it also fires me up with so much inspiration. And I had to resist the urge to sit on the computer for the rest of the day after these classes and strike up some more resources for you guys. I had to really slow my roll. I also made what could have been a huge mistake of taking three bar classes in a row and then going on a hike in Boulder, which call me dumb, but I realized why Boulder got its name. Yeah, the hike was no joke. Hiking and walking has always been my favorite type of movement and almost like a movement meditation for me. Um, And hiking up these not so relaxing trails really makes me focus on what I'm doing in the moment. And like driving, I don't usually listen to music and especially when I'm hiking. I like to hear my breath, focus on my surroundings, and it allows me to clear my thoughts and process anything that's going on in my life and really be in the moment. And luckily, I wasn't too, too sore after this hike because I had a long weekend ahead with Momentum Fest. So very short aside, I started hiking up this trail and it was paved. And I'm like, oh, great, easy, no big deal. I'll just kind of stroll up to the top. And by stroll, I mean also get exhausted, but no big deal. It was paved. Then the road turned to dirt. I'm like, okay, this is fine. This is normal. Usually hiking trails are dirt or soil or something. And then it turned into legit boulders. I was climbing straight up. And if anyone's a Pilates person, as I was hiking down, I realized where climbing down the mountain on the chair got its name from for real. It was crazy, but amazing. So despite my shaky legs, it offered me a chance to really get grounded before presenting at Momentum Fest and get clear about how I wanted to share my work with the attendees. And the question I kept asking myself is, how do I want to show up? Well, I first literally showed up and had the whole first day to settle in. I really didn't know what I was walking into in regards to the space and who was going to be there. So I'll be honest and tell you that I was way, way in my head about how I was going to set up and organize the room in order for everyone to feel comfortable and not overwhelmed by its size. I also started to get confessed to. This is so normal. I know we've all been there. And in the way of, quote, I'm afraid to try bar and is it going to be really hard? The fear started to crop up and I knew I wanted to represent bar variations as a method that offers something for everybody. So I overthought my class a lot. I changed my playlist multiple times and started throwing out choreography. I couldn't get out of my own way. Then once Saturday came, I reminded myself that I'm here to teach and do what I do best, and that is to connect and to collaborate. It wasn't about performing or showcasing. It was about making real connections through movement, working with the people in the class and the space I would be in, and having a good time while doing it. And as people started to arrive into my class, I recruited people to help informing others how we would be setting up. I started asking names, where people were from. I chatted with people to see if anyone had any injuries, issues, or fear surrounding bar. I did what I always do in my own studio. I made sure I started moving with everybody, and as the class progressed, I channeled my inner homecoming DJ and made the rounds. No joke, I literally ran around clapping, motivating. (laughs) It was really fun. I set up the room so everyone could see, have enough space, and I could move through them to see what's going on. 
As I got more comfortable, so did everybody else. And my jokes definitely got progressively cornier. Can't help it. I love a good dad joke. And the moment I remembered my own unique talents as a teacher and the gift of being a natural connector, I was in my flow. It was really important for me to be able to move through everybody so I can make eye contact with every single person in that room, which is not an easy task when it is such a large venue. And I'm happy to say that I had about 80 people in class. It was amazing. And I received positive feedback despite little glitches like I turned on the wrong playlist, no joke, and the music shut off at the end of class. All of that little stuff did not matter because everyone was moving and having fun. Something that I told the attendees in the beginning was that I use the bar as a tool for support and to take that support out into the world so we can support others. With this tidbit, I'll remind you of last month's community question, which was, what creative ways can you serve and offer support to your studio or community? I'm going to share some answers with you. So Lara shared, every year I do a donation-based class for our domestic violence shelter. I offer class and ask for donations the shelter needs instead of payment. Examples being tampons, socks, toiletries, etc. I'm always so proud to see so many ladies supporting others. So amazing. Kelsey shared, we try to do monthly events that have food and drinks afterwards so that people can get to know each other and feel part of a community versus just coming in for some exercise. We notice that a lot of the teens and young adults are now looking up to some of the older folks who offer them some advice and they start talking about life. These bonds are so nice to see. Ah, so good. I truly believe that we are able to support ourselves or when we're able to support ourselves using movement as one of those ways we do so, we can offer so much support to others. And a way I support my own teaching is to collaborate with my colleagues. We share ideas, we do check-ins, and sometimes these ideas turn into business ventures. Boop, boop. And because it's comfortable to stay inside our own community, this month's community question is, in what ways can you collaborate outside of your classroom or studio? Share your answers with me via email at info at barvariations.com. Join the Bar Variations VIP group on Facebook to share your answer or leave a voice message via Anchor. I'll share all the links in the show notes and looking forward to hearing from you. I cannot wait to hear all of your creative answers. So now up next is my interview with Heather Johnson of Bar Where You Are. Enjoy. If you're a certified hashtag bar addict like I am, then you can definitely appreciate a bar-inspired graphic tank top or sweatshirt. Good news. For those of us who can't get enough, Bar Goods Co. will add an extra bit of fun to your workout with apparel designed for and inspired by the bar. And if you need that extra little bit of motivation to get yourself to class, then you'll be happy to know that they use only the softest fabrics available to help you express your love of bar to the world check out their go-to line of screen printed goodies included workout tops, sweatshirts, and even infant onesies for bar addicts in training. And guess what? Listeners of the Bar Variations podcast can use the code VARIATIONS25 to take 25% off their first order. That's code VARIATIONS25 in all lowercase letters. Visit bargoods.com now to start shopping. Hi, listeners. Thank you for joining. And I'm here today with Heather Johnson, creator of Bar Where You Are. Heather Johnson was a professional dancer for a decade dancing in NYC and on cruise ships before moving to Charleston, South Carolina, where she discovered her favorite workout, bar. She earned her bar certification in 2013 and then went on to get certified as a group fitness instructor, a mind-body specialist, and a pre- and postnatal fitness specialist. Heather also started a nonprofit, Dance Ed, that teaches underprivileged students during, oops, sorry, students dance during their after-school programs. After hearing multiple times that, quote, I can't afford bar and, quote, I never have time, Heather noticed how expensive and exclusive some bar studios were and wanted to create an affordable and convenient way for everyone to enjoy bar. Hence the startup of Bar Where You Are. Whether it's in a boardroom or in your living room, she brings her high energy and pop and playlist right to you. 
Heather believes every workout should count, so every class will include a thorough warm-up and stretch with lots of shaking, sweating, and smiling in between. Yay! Welcome, Heather. Your smile Yay. is amazing, so thank you for that, and thank you for joining me today. My pleasure. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah, so we've um, been on each other's radar for a while on social media. I'm thoroughly obsessed with your company name, Bar Where You Are. It's oh, thanks. It's like, yes, someone got it and they're using it and it's amazing. It's really one of the best bar slogans. And I, I love that about bar is uh, all the kitschy little like hashtags. Like, I just love it. It's You can do so much with it. I love you, it. Oh, it's so good. And so I'm so happy we connected and I'm so happy to be chatting with you. And um, yeah, I can't wait to dive in. So you have been doing lots and lots. So let's get started from the very beginning. Maybe not the very, very beginning. <laughs> How far back are we? <laughs> so when you were born. And as a dancer, it does go pretty far back. So when did you get started um, with movement? So when were you first introduced to movement? Have you always been a mover or? Um... Yeah, I feel like I probably have, you know, your typical, I started dance when I was three, tiny top <laughs> story, which that is me. Um, and then it was probably just in a very local uh, dance studio. It was you, it was actually in a bowling alley and at about seven or eight, the instructor came up to my mom and she was like, you know, I think if Heather really wants to do this, she needs to go someplace else. She's kind of reached her max with us. So my mom moved me, um, to another studio. I'm originally from Delaware. So we drove back and forth for 45 minutes each way to the studio, danced my whole life. Um, and then at 18, I moved to New York city and I danced uh, with the Madison Square Garden, the New York Titans. Uh, it was like a indoor lacrosse team, I think. And they had a professional dance team. So I did that. And I did some off-Broadway shows. And then I went and danced for Carnival Cruise Lines for seven years, which was amazing. <laughs> and through that, I mean, as a professional dancer, as you know, like, fitness kind of goes hand in hand with that because there's definitely like a body image that you have to can, uh, keep up with and maintain and nutrition. So I always enjoyed working out. And during my breaks in between contracts, I would travel and I got introduced to bar classes through that. Actually, my first bar class was in Toronto with a bar studio called Bar Works. And then I just kind of made it my thing. Like everywhere I went, I wanted to take a bar class at a studio. And then after leaving ships, I moved to Charleston, South Carolina, sight unseen, had never stepped foot in South Carolina, but I thought, oh, they seem like nice people. So I moved here by myself, saw how popular bar was. I was trying to find something that kept me as in good a shape as when I was doing three shows a day, seven days a week. So I went ahead and got certified in bar and just goes from there. Amazing. Amazing. So as a kid, you were always dancing. Did you ever try any other sports or was it like strictly? Oh my gosh. No, my mom wouldn't let me. She's (laughs) She's like, I'm paying so much money for this. You can't do anything. I wasn't allowed to go to like the roller skating rink or we went skiing. I had to go tubing. No, my mom did not let me do any other sports, which I don't, I mean, I no, was full-time funny. dance anyway. Like, yeah, you're, was I going to find any other time? So, no, you're, yeah. you're, nope, I, just dance. <laughs> I always tried the poor attempt. I was like, I'm also going to do sports. And I'd be the girl, like, literally getting dragged to the basketball court, like, holding the ball. Like, I was just not no. – I wanted in my mind to be sporty, but I would be doing, like, cartwheels and pirouettes in the outfield. And my mom's like, this is – why are we doing this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fun in the Jersey. Yeah. No, I always had the competition, um, attitude like from sports, but I, I applied that to dance. Yeah. It's, um, it is growing. And so when you were in New York city, I know like the hustle bustle of the city, it's very, you know, it's hard to live here, try to quote unquote, make it. And it sounds mm-hmm. like you did. And like, how did you find living in a fast paced city trying to, stay fit, stay healthy. How did you find that balance um, when you were first starting out in New York, especially at 18? I mean, you were pretty young and yeah, um, so hard. And I applaud people. I mean, I did it for a year and a half, maybe two years before I left to go dance with Carnival. And I mean, as you know, you're kind of 
like working to afford to live in the city, but at the same time trying to get dance classes in and auditions in, like it's grueling. Yeah. Um, so that's why after I was done my professional career with Carnival, I was like, I'm throwing in the towel. Like I'm too old to go back and try it <laughs> all over again. I got to do my dream job. I'll move on to my next passion now. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, so I danced at Broadway Dance Center. So mm-hmm. I would take classes all day and then kind of squeeze in auditions in between that. I was very fortunate that I stayed with family friends. So mm-hmm. the financial kind of side of it was a little bit easier. I wasn't, you know, trying to afford my own apartment or anything like that. But I have a love-hate relationship with New York City. I love it, but at the same time when my time is up to leave, I'm kind of ready to ready to go. To I mean, I yeah. hear you. I hear you. It's um I remember like when I first graduated college and I was coming to dance as a modern dancer. So, you know, not the most lucrative form mm. of dance. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of free I, performances. Yeah. And I can remember like taking class and, you know, being asked like, well, where were you on Monday? I'm like, well, I had to work yeah. <laughs> in order to be here on Wednesday. And, right. You know, it was, it's always so, and it's a city that like everyone's just trying to make it and do something and show that they're already made it. And it's, it's hard. And especially performing, you know, you're trying to take all the classes, you're trying to get the auditions in. And it, I have to say moving away from New York city gave me more of an appreciation. And I was like, Oh, I don't, I'm not trying to do the hustle anymore. That's yeah. nice. I can actually enjoy it for what it is instead exactly. of trying to pay my rent. (laughs) Yep. Um, Amazing. So Carnival Cruise uh, Cruise Line, you said Carnival. Now, what um, was your job on the ship? Dancing in like a particular show or were you like doing different shows um, each night? Tell us how that So depending on the ship, um, there's multiple different like production shows, um, very much like Broadway, Las Vegas Vegas style shows. Uh, So I guess a typical cruise was probably seven days. So we had four to five different shows that we had to learn and then we would perform them a couple times a night. Okay. So, yeah, so I was a dancer, and then my last couple years, I became a dance captain. And um, that really set me up for moving to, quote-unquote, land life, because (laughs) ship life and land life are very different. Um, But it helped me learn how to work with people um, from different cultures, which was huge, because I was – pretty much maybe there was me or one other American. So learning to work with other people from different cultures and backgrounds and countries helped me there, helped me how to like get management skills, people skills. So Mm -hmm. I was really able to apply those things when I moved to Charleston. And then a year or so after that, when I started my nonprofit dance ed, and then when I started bar where you are, um, just, I mean, it helped immensely. Like I don't think any college education can help, as much give you the tools as people skills like that working, you know, hand in hand with somebody. There's definitely not enough. I think real true apprenticeship of on the job learning, because you hear that so often that you go to school and really what you really, what you learn is like your first job. And that's, that's priceless knowledge right there. <laughs> it's like who um, I was my first contract versus who I was contract number 10. I mean, two different heathers, you know, but uh, and it, becoming a dance captain helped me to appreciate all the other dance captains that I had, you know, in my previous contracts. I'm like, Oh, I get it. I wish I didn't <laughs> give you so much trouble. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, so were you, did you get to, um, what was your route on the ship? Were you out at sea for a long period of time or was it quick kind of destinations? What was like your most interesting place that you got to go to? So our contracts were between seven to nine months and okay. you don't get to come home in between those, um, contracts, but we would have like a home port, like if your ship was out of Miami and if it was a seven day cruise. So every seven days you'd come back to Miami, drop the 
current guests off and pick up the new ones. And if we didn't have rehearsals or anything like that, you can get off in all the ports. So I did primarily the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, for seven years, I, when people say like, where do you live? I live in the Caribbean. Like, and I totally <laughs> took it for granted. And now actually in February, we're going on a cruise to get married in San Juan. And oh. I could not be more excited. And then like my fiance is like, but you went to San Juan like every week for seven years. I'm like, I know, but I missed it. I took it for granted back then, but (laughs) I'm excited now. Um, So yeah, we could get off in all the ports, like I said, if we didn't have rehearsals. So typically on a show day, we would have a two-hour rehearsal, Mm. Um, whether we needed to like clean or reblock if there was an injury or something like that. So but yeah, all over the Caribbean, Eastern and Western. So you get off the ship, you end up in Charleston, totally at random, never going. <laughs> Again, <Yep>. another <laughs> super brave move. And so how long after that did you start Dance Ed? So uh, before I moved here, I Googled like <laughs> dance studios in Charleston, South Love Carolina, it. super basic. And I just emailed my resume um, to a whole bunch of different studios. One got back to me straight away and literally offered me a gig the day after I moved to Charleston. Um, so yeah, very, very fortunate. And through this, um, studio is how I created dance ed. So they were kind of doing like, uh, just very casual going to a title one school in the neighborhood and teaching classes. And so I kind of took that part over as the studio's youth director. I was in charge of the in-studio program and then also kind of teaching and managing this class at the school one day a week. And then from there, I grew that and then expanded that outside of that dance studio and made dance ed. So I would say within a year and a half of moving to Charleston, I created dance ed. Amazing. So you go into different schools, after school program, and what types of classes do you teach the kids? All, all kinds. So I always start with hip hop, mm-hmm. um, just because that kind of allows the kids to open up to you. If I started with a ballet class, because this mm-hmm. is co-ed, boys and girls, and majority of the classes, the students do not get to choose Right. Um, they're coming to dance. They just get told you go to dance on this day. And I know if I got told that I had to go play football on Wednesdays, <laughs> I would probably come in with a pretty bad attitude. Yeah. So I try to keep it as fun and lighthearted as possible. So we start with hip hop and we learn a routine and we actually create a music video for the kids. So that's really fun for them. And then we spend a couple weeks with hip hop and then we move on to tap for a couple weeks, which I knew like kids liked it, but these kids (laughs) love tap and we don't even have tap shoes. It's just, I think the syncopation and the rhythms Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's a little more free like hip hop Mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. And then from tap, we move on to jazz so they can start kind of start learning technique. And then we always finish with ballet because I feel like I've won them over. They trust me so I can give them the real meat of ballet. That's so amazing. I, t- I taught at an after school program while I was living in Los Angeles. And that's the biggest barrier to entry is it, I, for me, it was like the, the clothes, or at least what I observed was the clothing, right? So, like, they want to dance, but you're not going to get a bunch of kids who've never danced before to all of a sudden put on a pair of tights and ballet shoes. Yeah. And I taught hip hop, and it was so fun. And everyone can kind of do it in like, it's popular moves. They're already kind of doing the moves anyways, like with their friends. And it is such, it's such a good way to get them moving and explore movement and be creative. And I just think that's such a great progression and the tap. Yeah. I've taught tap and they, they do It's the sound. It's like so basic, but it's so fun and happy. And yeah, <laughs> you're like drumming with your feet. And uh, yeah. that sounds like such a great progression. And then at the end you can, be like, and there's ballet. <laughs> yeah. And remember, you like dance. So now I'm right. going to you ballet. <laughs> yeah, that's so, oh, that's so great. How many schools is Dance Ed um, affiliated with or partnered with now? So we started with one and then now we're over 10. So I have had to hire um, instructors, which there is a college here in Charleston called College of Charleston, and they have a great dance program. So I've been able to hire dance majors to come into the schools. Um, So it's been great, A, for the students, but then also for the college students, you know, something on their resume and like an apprenticeship we're talking about. Wow. 
Yeah. Wow. That is so incredible. That's so great. You really seem to like see a need and fill it. I think that's very apparent. Yeah. I, I like to kind of, like you said, yeah, see a need. I like to kind of see where I can be valuable, what I can bring that, you know, even if it's not like some brand new idea, but kind of introduce it in a more accessible way. Mm. So, yeah. And I think that's, um, I think people think that you need to literally reinvent the wheel in order to have this successful idea or have an idea that's of value. Right. And, you know, we always go back to that limiting belief of like, well, you know, so-and-so is already doing it. So why me? And we all have our own unique voices. So why not you? Right. Like that should be the question. Well, why not? And being able to, yeah, be like, how can I use my skills to serve others and the community that I'm in just obviously, you know, creates such amazing opportunity for everybody and builds a bigger and stronger community introduces things that maybe people wouldn't have been introduced to and find some inspiration or just a creative outlet, like just a simple creative outlet for students that maybe don't have as many outlets as others um, in providing that safe space, you know, to find joy and creativity is ah, so great. Yeah, especially with the dance ed, I really feel like, like I said, the schools that we're in are mostly Title One, and a lot of these students would never have the abilities to to take dance outside of this program, and it's offered to them for free. So I just can't imagine what my life would have been like if I hadn't been, you know, if my parents weren't able to afford dance class. So I think this is a a majority of these students would never have the opportunity. So yeah, sharing sharing the love indeed. Um, Now, so. Dance ed, is that like full-time for you? Are you doing a lot of admin with that? Or does it kind of run itself once you have the teachers like trained and in place for the school year? Yeah, so this is year four with dance ed. So it's a pretty well-oiled machine at this point. Everything is, you know, semester one, and then we repeat everything again semester two. So, um, and I have a lot of the instructors that I have teaching uh, with me now have been around for at least two years. So they all kind of know. So a lot of it's admin. Um, And when I started Bar Where You Are, that's when I really decided that I needed to bring in some more dance ed instructors so that I could focus on Bar Where You Are. Yeah. So tell us all about Bar Where You Are. Let's start from the beginning of that. What year did you start Bar Where You Are? Is that? Oh, what year is it? 2018. I started in 2016. (laughs) And it was just very like I was just in one. So Bar Where You Are is... I would say probably we have three branches of bar where you are. It started with workplace workouts. Okay. Um, and I started with just one client in downtown Charleston. And now we have five or six. So I go in during lunch breaks and I teach bar because I know if I did not get paid to do bar and work out as my job, I would probably find it really difficult to find time and energy to go to the gym either before my nine to five shift or Mm -hmm. after my nine to five shift. Mm -hmm. So I really want to make things convenient for people. Like fitness is necessary. You know, it's just like a pill or a vitamin. Like you have to take it, you have to do it. So let's find something that you enjoy and then let's make it super convenient for you. So I come into workplaces and teach bar during their lunch hours And then a lot of my clients were like, oh, you know, I'm traveling or I'm doing this or um, I'd like to be able to do this more than, you know, two or three times a week. What are you when are you going to start online workouts? And I was like, no, no, that's not (laughs) me. I'm not going to do that. There's so many other people that are doing that already, you know. And then finally, I was like, you know what? So what really helped is my fiance is a photographer and videographer. Yeah, there so, you go. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> okay, this is going to be a really good collaboration. After like That's 6 so months hard. of dating, I started, you know, kind of planting the seed to him and he was all for it. So, we work really well together as a team. So, actually December 1st is our 1 year anniversary of launching our online workouts. Amazing. And then, yeah. And then the last six months I had, again, you know, 
I feel like my ideas come from my clients. Like let them tell you what they want. Yeah. So people were coming up to me who have been taking my classes ever since I was teaching. And, you know, I've, I've been thinking about getting certified in bar and I really like your format and the way you teach. Like, when are you going to be able to train people? And again, I was like, no, no, there's so many people who are already doing that. And then I was like, you know what? Just like what you said, why not me? So mm-hmm. I um, went ahead and got accredited through ACE and Athenasm. Yeah. And Great. so I've been doing a couple bar trainings now. Amazing. It's it just recognizing that need. And when you build a community and you have these conversations and you're in collaboration with your students and with the people, you know, attending your online workouts, it almost does it for its, I mean, obviously there's a lot of hard work, but it, it builds itself. And I know when I started bar variations, I, I thought in my mind, I was like, it's going to be for home users. I don't want to go down the road of teacher trainers, trainings again. I was too much, the conventions, like I did it all. I did it. I don't want to do that again. <laughs> and here you <laughs> And here I am. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Can't stay away. I can't stay away. And it's in your voice. So like, tell us a little bit more about your teaching style and what kind of makes your classes unique, not so much in the way of just the way you formulate your class, but, you know, kind of describe like your teaching style as a bar instructor. So I think if you were to ask, a client or anyone who takes my classes, they would probably say personality is, is their number one thing that they like so much. I'm, I'm really sassy. Um, (laughs) and I try, you know, to, I'm from the North. So down here in the South, like (laughs) they really think I'm sassy. Uh, I just tell it like it is as us Northerners usually do. Um, but I just try to, I push my clients majority of my clients, I would probably say 90% are women. And I love empowering women. Um, I think, you know, our bodies are amazing. And I think bar really complements them because it pushes us, but it keeps us with that woman physique, you know, the ballerina. So I definitely push my clients. My classes are pretty tough, but I give levels. I I tell them that I'm, I'm giving them a lot because if I gave them a little, they would only do a little. But if I push them and I, you know, give them a, a hard series or combo, I know that they'll work up to that. And then I can give them levels down, modifications and, you know, ways that they can progress from that. So I would say personality is probably number one. I'm super sassy. Um, sometimes even after class, I'm like, oh, I can't believe I said that in <laughs> class. But uh, And then my, my format is pretty different than classes, uh, I guess, the norm bar class. I just taken a lot of different classes and I wanted to make a flow or format that suited me and made sense in my brain. And it's really um, clicked with people who take my class. They seem to really, really like the flow and format. So, again, I don't know if that is what no, that's stands perfect. out. But, but yeah, I guess number one would probably be personality. And I, I really, truly think that's what it's about. There's something for everybody. And I think that's the beauty about what Bar has become and is becoming is that there is there are so many voices. And the way I teach you know, is different than the way you teach. And it's all informed by our own experiences, right? So like you being a dancer and you don't have to be a dancer to teach bar. And what I tell my um, trainees is that no one bats an eye at learning the technique of a squat. (laughs) No. But if you tell someone they have to learn a plie, there comes, there's a lot of baggage that comes with that. And that is because of where it's rooted from is rooted from the ballet bar exercises and movements. So people think, you know, have certain thoughts around that. And, but it's, so it really does come down to personality. And if you look at every fitness magazine, they're not telling you anything profoundly different each month. That you didn't already know. (laughs) Right. You know, and same with like neutral, it's like, Oh, everything in moderation, but it's how you're saying it and how people are connecting with you. So your sassiness down south, it's like they are craving, you know, they're 
entertained or they're having fun or they connect with you and they like you and that's what keeps them coming back and keeps movement in their life and it because it's integrated in to even their office, it's then even more convenient. They're like, well, of course I want to be with Heather this week. And now I get to work out and, oh, it's amazing. Like it's all of that. It's so much more than just putting on a tape or not a tape. Oh my God. How old am I? <laughs> you, know, it's like, you aged yourself. I did. Oh my goodness. I mean, sidebar on that one. When I was in high school, uh, we had to do weight room. So like being told what you had to do at gym, like I was like, I don't want to do weight room. I'm a dancer. That's silly. Listen, weights are great. Everyone should do weights. So we would grab the old buns of steel and abs of steel. Yeah. VHS tapes, black out the windows and a bunch of us ladies would just work it out. (laughs) I should have known what I would go into for my profession, but (laughs) I always said if I didn't, I I wanted to be a cruise ship dancer. I had a mentor growing up and she did one contract with Royal Caribbean and I just adored her. So at like age 11, I want to be a cruise ship dancer. But I also said if I wasn't that, I wanted to be one of the people in the background during workout videos. Like I loved watching like Turbo and (laughs) all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh, they're so great. And they, that is like the easiest, like YouTube now has all the free stuff. Like I'll give a shout out to my favorite fitness blender. I don't like doing hit workouts. I don't like doing boot campy type things, but in the winter I don't get out much side, you know, outside activity. So I sometimes will dabble in that and it's free, but it's free for everybody yet. Not everybody's going. So If you add, you know, adding the personality, adding the community aspect of it is what brings people to the bar, essentially. And I really think, and that's why there is room for everybody and every style, because somebody like me might not like to take a hit bar class. Although yep. I'll try it, but I'll be like whimpering in the corner. Oh, come. I love, that's what everyone says. I'm like, guys, this week is a hit week. And they're like, as opposed to last week. Yes. And it was, what? I you always, have to come, Michelle. You I'm, have to try one of my classes. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. I, I joke with my classes that like I do, I landed in bar because I was like, no, I'm good. I don't like to do that stuff. And it's, yeah. it's everything that like, I don't want to do essentially. Ballet yeah. <laughs> burpees and all that fun stuff. Exactly. And like, you know, my classes are, they are definitely more based in the classical ballet exercises, you know, your plie, your batmas. But because I've trained in Pilates and I'm trained in yoga and TRX, that definitely has an influence of what I'm For teaching. Sure. And even my own flow to me it feels the best to me yep and that's it and that and then it comes across when I'm comfortable my classes are comfortable and you just nail it on the head it really is the personality because who wants to do a burpee I mean (laughs) (laughs) but if you put the word ballet in front of it I mean it just makes it a lot more fun but like you said there's only so many ways that you can do a plie or a lunge or a crunch you know I think we all know all the different variations. It's, it's the personality. It's the way that you deliver it is going to make you different than the next person. And not everyone likes everyone. I'm not everyone's cup of tea. So that's great. That's why there's other bar instructors, you know, like you said, there's, there's something for everyone. There's plenty of room. Totally. And I love, um, I love the, uh, that when you said like your clients, you know, speaking on your sassiness, I remember living out in LA and we walked into a restaurant and all of the tables were empty except for a couple, you know, it was, it was very, it was a slow day and we were at a lunch break and he was doing my yoga training, which probably doesn't speak highly on me. I should have been maybe more yoga ick. And <laughs> we walk in and they're like, Oh yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know. We're going to have to see if we can seat you. And I was like, Oh, well there's a table right here. Come on guys. Like we can sit down here, right? We can sit. Great. Thanks. And <laughs> They're like, everyone just stopped and like, um, okay, New York, are you okay? And I was like, what? <laughs> like, what do you mean? I was like, there's a table and we can sit down. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Come visit the South. I mean, I <sighs> shock people on the daily, but <laughs> <laughs> I know I have to like curb my road rage sometimes, but <laughs> so, you know, with these teacher trainings that you have started, 
would you, or I would, let me ask you this. What is some kind of like evergreen advice that you would give a new teacher coming into the bar world? It's like, what is some advice you would like to leave like your trainees? Keep growing, keep learning. Like I always tell people after my training that this is not the end all be all. Like, you know, I've taken multiple bar workshops and instructor trainings and continuing ed classes and even just regular classes taught by, you know, other bar instructors. You're constantly learning after these, this eight or nine hours, you are not going to know your entire, you know, bar professional career. I am a totally different instructor than when I was like when I first, you know, got certified. So Mm. it's keep growing, keep learning. And personality is, is so big. Um, you know, you don't have to be sassy. That does not, that's, you know, not the only personality that will work. Find your voice, find what you feel most comfortable being, which should be yourself. And then your clients will flock to that. Like they appreciate you being genuinely you. So just find your voice as a teacher and and stick to that. That's such great advice and definitely finding your voice. Um, I had some advice that I give to it's similar advice to my trainees is, you know, you start by imitating, then you start deciding, okay, this sounds, I like this. I like to say this, or, you know, I don't really like to do it that way. Um, yeah. And then you just keep learning and you keep absorbing and maybe taking a little here, taking a little there. And that's, and only time will do that. Exactly. (laughs) I definitely was somebody that, I got, um, I'm like in my 10th year of teaching Pilates itself. That's like kind of the longest thing I've been teaching. And shortly after that, I'm about like eight years into teaching bar. And, um, I just wanted to, I wanted to be the master trainer. Like as soon as I was like done with my training, I was like, okay, how do I now become the master? Yeah. <laughs> and maybe that's a little bit of the dancer with me. I'm like, okay, I got this. And on to the next thing now. Right. <laughs> I want to graduate more. <laughs> yeah. And you know, that that is the lesson of getting older and wiser and being like, you know, only time will will allow that to happen in your experience and you just keep searching out those experiences and they will make it happen for you. Um and you don't have to pay to go and to the, you know, take workshops all the time. I try to find a workshop like every two years when it's time for me to get my continuing education credits and stuff like that. But in the meantime, every time I travel, whenever we go on vacation, I take bar classes. I love it. It's just something that I do. And I walk away with, oh, I loved the way that she set up that lunge series, or I'm going to take that little catchphrase that she used. And also I'm like, I, I did not like the way that she did that. Or it, I found it difficult when she set that up. So, but I learned from that. I'm going to make sure that I don't set up the same mm. way, you know? Yeah. So I kind of put, take my instructor hat off and put the client hat on and, you know, maybe she did something that I have always done as well, but being the client with her, I realized, wow, that was really difficult to understand now that I'm on the other side. So let me try to change that up. So, and it's free, you know, usually if you say you're an instructor or whatever, they'll let you take a class for free or if anything, it's 15, 20 bucks. So yeah, exactly. And it's so important to get inspired by others. And is there anything outside of, um, bar fitness that you draw inspiration from to bring into your own teaching? So I follow like a lot of different fitness people, whether it's through social media or I teach at a couple gyms. So, you know, taking other people's classes or watching them, but I like to take other classes, other form of classes outside of bar. Mm. And even like, even if I can't do those moves because they're totally not bar moves, but I get inspired by the instructors teaching techniques. Music is a big inspiration for me. That's the dancer in me. I choreograph all of my moves uh, to the music. So I listen to the radio all the time to get inspired. And usually I like the song and then I'm like, oh, this sounds like a plank song or, oh, this would be a good push-up song or something like that. So music, taking other forms of fitness classes or, you know, seeing different moves on social media would probably be, uh, 
my biggest inspirations. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right. We're going to play. They're not really games. They're just little catchphrases that I'm going to make you answer. (laughs) Um, But so now is the time I do this little segment on um, social media called heard at the bar. Mm -hmm. And as an avid bar teacher and lover, what is something you've heard about kind of said about bar that you either know to be true or something that surprised you to be untrue. And we talked a little bit before about the recording about, um, you know, being a dancer and coming to bars. So a lot of times you hear that, like, oh, I have to be a dancer or I can't do this because I was never a dancer. And that's like a big one that you kind of hear around bars. So is there another, um, kind of thing you hear in or around bar that, you know, to be true or that you were very surprised to find out that was untrue once you got involved? Okay. Well, two things I'll answer directly how you asked it. And then I'm going to kind of take a spin on it. So that bar was only for women. Um, and I thought that as well, but then I started having some clients that were guys and it's so good for them because they're on the floor you know, lifting weights or everything that they do is in a parallel position. And then when you get into bar and you're in a turned out position um, and the stretching, they don't usually get in their flexibility and balance. So uh, I have a lot of football players and professional baseball players that take my class. And it they talk about all the time that they need the whole team to come in and do this because it's something completely different than what they're used to, but helps them so much. Mm. So that would, that, that's probably number one is that bar is just for women. And oh my gosh, it's so not just okay. for women. I don't think there's anything that's just for either men or women. Um, and then number two, a little different than what you, what you asked, but it's a pet oh, peeve. Uh, that you can do it because you're young. Oh, oh that's a gosh. good one. I can't stand it <laughs> when people say that. First of all, when I hear women say that, like, oh, because like, they'll say it about me, you know, I'll be demonstrating something or whatever. And they're like, oh, she can do that because she's young. I'm like, okay, anyone can do this. And secondly, that's an insult to the lady next to you who is much older than you and is kicking my butt. Like anyone can do this. You you can work up to it. You may not, you know, be able to do it straight away, but age has nothing to do with what you're able to do. I Um, agree wholeheartedly. My first job um, as well, one of my first jobs as a Pilates instructor was in a community of a lot of retired people. So we're talking 55 and older, and I would say more on the older side. And when I first started teaching, I was like very like nice, and like gentle. And I like, I wouldn't say I was like a pusher. I'd be like, okay, let's try this, you know. And I had somebody say like to me one time, she was like, oh, you're awfully nice to us. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, I mean, we could probably do more today. And I was like, interesting. And then I took it as a, like, all right, well, I'll show you. Yeah. And they showed me, really, is what they did. It, I mean, the strongest humans. And I, ever since that day, and I was like, all right, like, you're here every single day, and we're kicking some serious booty. And and it's not because you're only, I mean, that's a Pilates phrase as well. You're only as young as your spine is, right? That's like the Pilates phrase. But you're really only as young as... If you, you don't stop moving, you have to keep moving. And if I have clients that are in their eighties running to our sessions, running home and just, they're still working, they're still lively. It's so, so inspiring. And yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I a hundred percent agree. <laughs> yeah. As soon as, you know, as soon as that lady or, and it's not just one, it's been said multiple times, but sure. I always say you've limited yourself. As soon as those words came out of your mouth, you've just limited yourself because mm. you're, you're blocking what you're capable of doing because you're putting a limit on yourself because of your age. Like you gotta let go of that. Absolutely. And then also, you know, ex- that, that limiting belief and accepting like, oh, well, I did that at this age. Okay. Now I'm done with that. Okay. Now I'm getting older and well, I'm just, I'm just going to accept that I can't do. Yeah. 
And that is so entrapping. And I mean, the reason we move is so we can live life as fully as we can. Not that you won't ever feel aches or pains, but you could probably do more. You'll have more energy. You'll feel you can get to the ground and get off the ground. And I, you know, that functional training, I love that name functional training because there's certain exercises. Like I, I think believe it's the burpee. I'm like, this is like our falling and I can't get up move. Like yeah. we're, we're going to get on the ground and we're going to get up because one day you're going to get on the ground and you're going to have to get up. Yeah. And it's yeah. probably not going to be in the best situation. So let's get up. <laughs> let's practice and make it fun. <laughs> and make it fun to fun music. And, yeah. um, and I love what you said about it's not just for women. And I, that is definitely like a big block for a lot of people. And I know like we see a lot of like bring your boy to bar and I, which is awesome. I just did a interview with, um, Jason Williams, who does uh, Charm City PT, he's down in Baltimore. Pilates Bar Training is his company, and um, you know I use him as an example. He was like a track athlete, and he found bar, and he's like, "Wow, I need to do this." And I'm like, "You have such an amazing open mind." And I know I teach some men in my classes as well, and it's just so good. It's like taking those stigmas out of it of like, "Oh, you just have to be a dancer, or you just have to whatever," you know, like it's just so silly. It's, it's so silly. We should all move our bodies in all ways. And if it's fun and it's working great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Find what works for you. You know, what feels good on you and what keeps you motivated to come back. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, like, because, and even like in Pilates, like you get, um, that stigma as well. Oh, Pilates is just for women and people find out, Oh, it was invented by a man. It's like, okay, where'd that switch happen? And I think, you know, as I kind of look back, maybe observe or whatever, but that for women, I think it was really important for the boutique fitness boom to happen, to have a sense of community and togetherness and feeling like they had a place to go that just wasn't the, the gym and sweaty and working out and people are looking at you. Like I know like that to me is like school cafeteria trauma. I'm like, Oh my God, don't look at me. I don't want to be sweating on this machine with everyone yeah. else. And so having these like small group training classes, I think really helped a lot of women have a place to go, you know, and move their bodies without feeling silly or being judged or, you know, back in the eighties with all the gear and all the sudden and, you know, it's evolved so much. And so I think maybe that's why there's this kind of female stigma in a lot of these boutique type classes and especially bar that, you know, is women dominated for so long and boys were at the gym and ladies were at their Pilates classes. <laughs> yeah. But the stigma goes both ways. You know, guys think, sure. oh, bar is just for women. But then when they come in, you know, they realize that it's not. But also I have some clients who get, you know, they don't like it when boys come into the, to the room and you know, there's, there's different reasons for that, but I always say, let them come in and see how hard it is. So they have a newfound appreciation for what we're doing. Cause I guarantee you they will struggle. So I, you know, I always laugh and I say, no, let the boys come in, let them see how hard bar really is. Exactly. I teach a couple clients that are, you know, are couples. So clients that are married and it's so funny I'm always like listen I will break you guys up in different sessions if you start competing too hard because I just can't <laughs> handle it like, <laughs> it's like yep. I can do this can you do this <laughs> yeah which is fun I mean I know I did a TRX training with my brother my younger brother who is a you know it was a track athlete very strong in shape and T-Rex is hard. And there were certain things that he's like, you know, why can't you do this? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I like physically <laughs> cannot do it. And then there's other things that he'd be like dying and shaking. And I was like, what do you mean? Why can't you do this? <laughs> yeah. So that was like a fun experience we had together just to like show that like some things are easy for some people. And like that goes for men and like men and women, like, right. Some things are easy easier for maybe some women or maybe not for other women or some men, not other men. And, um, yeah, we all have our strengths and it's, it should be more fun. It should be more playing. It should be more like, this is just fun. It shouldn't feel like a chore. (laughs) Exactly. 
That's so great. Okay, I have one more for you. So one more little game before we wrap up. Um, It's a little kitschy. I love my little kitschy hashtags. And this one is another one. So it's called What's in Your Bar, B-A-R. So right now in my bar, um, I do a lot of tea. And I've jumped on the matcha tea bandwagon. And I have to say, I'm not jumping off anytime soon. So my bar is more of a tea bar, but I would like to know what's stocked in your tea, coffee, juice, or your beer, spirits, wine bar. Oh, so I'm non-alcoholic beverages. I'm strictly water. Uh, so I, I don't get too creative. Although during the cold nights, I do like a good cup of hot chocolate. Mm. Um, but more interesting, what's in my alcohol is sangria. Oh my gosh, with this fall weather, I have been making this honey crisp harvest sangria and it's to die for. Ooh. Apple cider, orange juice, brandy, um, like a lemon, bubbly water and a bottle of wine and honey crisp apples and a sliced orange and it's to die for. Oh my goodness. You might have to send that recipe over yes. so I can share with everybody. Yes, <laughs> it will. It's so, so good. good. Love, we'll be out of fall uh, by the time this airs, but that's okay. It's saying you can't go, you can't ever go wrong with sangria. sangria. <laughs> yeah. Which switch the fruits and it, it'll be spring or summer. You can, you can switch accordingly. There you go. There you go. Well, amazing Heather. Thank you so much for joining today and sharing your story with all of us. And can you tell the listeners where they can find and follow you? Yes. So on Facebook, I am at bar where you are SC on Instagram. I'm just bar where you are. And our website is bar where you are SC.com. Amazing. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Michelle. I'm super excited. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. If you'd like to write into the podcast, send an email to info at barvariations.com. You can follow us all over social media at Bar Variations. You can also visit the website at www.barvariations.com, where you will find show notes, archive episodes, and more. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.